welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to noted author Patrice Karst about her latest book, Ruby and Lonely. A little bit about Patrice. Patrice is the author of the best-selling contemporary classic children's and adults book, The Invisible String, which has sold over 1.5 million copies and been translated into 17 languages. It is the story of the string made out of love that connects us all. The Invisible String book series offers children a tangible understanding of love and teaches the world about the string that even though you can't see it with your eyes, you can feel it in your heart and know that you are always connected to everyone you love. Patrice has been on a lifelong mission to share the message that this energy called love transcends time and space and is the most powerful force in all the universe. I had an absolute blast speaking to Patrice about how she started writing, a lot of details about The Invisible String, her book The Invisible Leash, and of course, Ruby and Lonely and lessons that she hopes children and adults can get out of her work. Uh, But before we get to the episode, I do need to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. And by Self Unbound, your quality of life, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, is a direct reflection of the level of abundant energy, ease, and connection your nervous system has to experience your life. At Self Unbound, your nervous system takes center stage as they help unbind your limited healing potential through network spinal care. Access the first steps to your Unbound journey by following them on Facebook, Instagram, or at selfunbound.com. Now, without further ado, my episode and interview with Patrice is right up after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time, I'm very excited to talk to her. She's written an incredible amount of books. Uh, In fact, one in which I didn't even put together until a moment ago before we got started recording, and I'll dive into that in a moment. But I've got with me today Patrice Karst. Patrice, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Joe. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm excited to have you on because you've written so many incredible books. So The Invisible String and the one that we're talking about today, Ruby and Lonely, and then also The Invisible Leash, among so many others. But I know that so many people have been touched and moved and helped by the books that you've put out into the world. And so I'm thrilled to have you on the show today for us to dig into a little bit of that conversation and talk about some some uh, takeaways that folks can have as they're going to have conversations with their kids and their loved ones. But before we get into all that, uh, for those that are new to the show here at the Detox Podcast, we invite people to quote unquote detox from the world around them and relax for a little bit and uh, uh, get a window into how other people live their lives. And so I do like to ask my guests right at the top of each episode, and Patrice, I'll ask you this, what are you currently, I'm using air quotes here for those that can't see, detoxing from in your life? What am I detoxing from? Um, 
You mean, what am I trying to heal from? What am I trying to? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, life on the planet's not an easy ride, is it? Um, yeah. <laughs> <It's not wrong. laughs> being, being a human is, is, is a pretty challenging uh, experience. So I think that the reason why, I don't know, maybe the reason why I write the books I do or the, you know, I personally, I came from um, a very painful childhood. I came from a lot of abuse. I came from um, parents that were mentally ill. And this was in England. It was, you know, they had been in the war and I have all the Holocaust survivors, you know, in my family. So I have a lineage of a lot of, you know, kind of interesting folks. And um, the reason I write the books I do is because they're the kind of books that would have helped me when I was growing up. So I tend to write books that are um, pretty big, important subjects, you know? Um, Yeah, that's just kind of, that's just kind of how how I roll. And, um, you know, I, I find the world to be fascinating. It's never, well, sometimes it's dull, but not usually. <laughs> I, I tend to have lots of interesting experiences that are, that are, that are already ha- always happening to me. And, um, and now that I have these readers all over the world, I'm really plugged into their stories. You know, I, I get a lot of letters um, and it always amazes me that people will take the time to write an author, will take the time out of their busy lives to actually write to me. But I get letters from all over the world of you know people from every kind of walk of life. You can imagine thanking me for my books and telling me how um, my particular book has affected them and their families. So, you know, I, I feel like I'm probably one of the most blessed people on the planet to get to do what I do um and yet I also deal with a lot of grief I deal with with parents and family members that are are sometimes going through some really really hard stuff so anyway what am I detoxing from I a life on the planet (laughs) Patrice is on the planet and life is very lifey and life is in session and um and here we are you know, I, I like what you said. Life is very lifey because I felt that, right? I think there's there there's so much in there where it can feel like maybe a throwaway line, but truly there is so much uh, to living life that it can feel a bit overwhelming, uh, maybe more than once. And I think it takes time. Uh, it I will say it this way. I have found myself recently in terms of detoxing, thinking about, how can I either ha- utilize more energy to get done what I'm looking to get done, or the flip side of that, how can I utilize more energy to quiet sort of what's going on around and just center mm-hmm. myself in what I need in that particular moment, which is to take a breath and to pause. It is. It right. feels it takes the same amount of energy to do both of those things. And that is where life becomes very lifey, to use your words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a balancing act, right? Yep. You know, I'm either feeling crazy because I've got too much to do or I'm feeling bored because there's, you know, too much time ahead, you know? Right, right. I feel like I, because I'm so efficient, you know, and I'm a pretty efficient uh, person, um, sometimes I'm too efficient and then I get it all done and then it's like, Okay, well, now what? Now what? You know? So anyway, it's good to be here. It's good chatting with you. I'm looking forward to this. Yes. Um, 
You know, I want to talk about you. You mentioned a little bit of your background a moment ago, and maybe maybe let's start there. So, um, as most folks know, and those that don't, will know by the end of the episode, right? So, the first book that you wrote, The Invisible String, um, you wrote that in I want to say two thousand. Is that correct? When that when that it, book actually? It, I wrote it a couple of years before two thousand. Okay. So my- 98 but it it was published in 2000 okay and that was it was my first children's book but i had started in the adult um world i had written a couple of spiritual self-help books before i ever wrote the invisible string gotcha um i wrote a, I wrote a little spiritual book called god made easy um and then i wrote a book because i was a single mom a single working mom i wrote a book called the single mother's survival guide That's and funny. uh you know, I got paid um, advances for those books. And so, it, you know, that was a really, really wonderful thing. And my son was in school at the time. Um, and I was a single working mom. And I, you know, would take him to school in the morning. And then I would go to work. Um, and he would cry. And it was a horrible experience. He had separation anxiety. And he would sob and cling to me. And then I would just have to drive away, walk away, yeah. looking at his little tear-stained face. And then I would cry and we were both a hot mess. So one day I um, just told him what was obvious to me, what was evident to me, what I guess I had never verbalized to him before. And that was that I said, Elijah, you know, when you miss mama, just tug on our invisible string we have an invisible string that connects us all day long and when you tug on it mommy will feel it and i'll tug it back and you'll feel it and we're we're together until you see me again we still have a string connecting us and his eyes got big and he said do we really have an invisible string and i said we sure do and literally voila that day his separation anxiety um went away and he never cried again when I would take him to school. And then his little friends started to ask me, you know, Miss Cars, Miss Cars, is there really an invisible string? Does it go to my uncle in Mexico? Does it go to my grandpa, you know, in another country? What, you know, what, you, you name it. Does it go to my hamster that died? Does it go to, you know, my daddy when he's at work? And I knew I had something very special because these kids were mesmerized by the idea of an invisible string that connected them to the people that they loved and the animals that they loved. And so I, I, I really got that I had somehow with this metaphor of an invisible string um, created a, uh, a tangible explanation, if you will, a tangible understanding of the very abstract concept of what love is um, and connection is. And so I knew it was special. I knew that kids could be helped by it. So I went to a very, small publisher that I knew um, and I had known him because you know he had been involved um, initially when I was first writing my spiritual self-help books um, and uh, I said look I've you know I wrote it as a kid's book I wrote because I, I was like how do I get this message out there okay I'll write it as a story I write it as a children's story and yeah. I brought in the manuscript and he published it it came out in 2000 and it was, he was a very small publisher, no marketing budget, no advertising. He didn't even have distribution really set up yeah. very well. So I wasn't even in the borders and Barnes and Nobles of the world. And, um, but the book did well, you know, it did well. I was onto other projects that I was involved in. Um, I was just happy. 
that the book was out there and whoever found it would be helped by it and in my wildest dreams i had no idea of the phenomena that was um about to become uh from this book so you know it it did well and then about i don't know i'm gonna say maybe 10 12 years ago maybe i just started to notice because i had a google alerts set up on my computer so anytime anyone wrote a review or mentioned me or my book i would get a google you know it would alert me to that and my google reviews started just going bang 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 and suddenly the book was being used by um the prison system for incarcerated parents it was being used by the military for deployed families it was being used in hospices and hospice hospitals and foster organizations and adoption groups and grief camps and you know social workers and therapists and there was no place that the invisible string suddenly was not being used and it just it just took off it you know soared into the stratosphere and it's kept going ever since and we now um have uh, you know a, a few years ago i had the paperback rights and i'd written a bunch of sequels and um i got these agents who sold my projects to a big new york publisher hachette books little brown for young readers and they put the paperback out with gorgeous art and in fact i just want to say that the hardback um, they bought out the paperback, the, the paperback publisher bought out the hardback publisher. So September 5th, the beautiful new hardback for the Invisible String is releasing with the same art as the paperback. And it's just, you know, going to be a phenomenal thing. But yeah, it's been an incredible thing we've sold um, of just the Invisible String, not even all the other uh, books, but just Invisible String has sold. We're getting close to 2 million copies wow. now. And it's in 17 um translated languages and yeah it's just it's mind-blowing all of that is incredible it's incredible because i think what's so powerful is that at the core of it is a parent you in this case recognizing something to be true you feel it you know it exists and being able to articulate and verbalize that to your child in an, in an attempt to help them best understand that even if I'm not right here, I'm right here. I'm here with you. I love you. We are still connected. And that the concept, right, of this invisible string is such that your child is then able to, like you said, instantly understand it, mm-hmm. helps the separation anxiety. And then other people start getting it because it makes sense. You do feel that connection. And so now to be able to put it out in a book and put it out there and then sort of go on with your life and then for other people to discover it and say, this concept has such wide ranging applications, regardless of where the parent or the family structure is. And you mentioned all of those ways, that's powerful. And that is consistently helping to change the world in such a positive way that people are able to understand something and feel a little, a little less alone and a little more connected and a little more a part of something. And I just, I love that. Well, and it's been fascinating too. Thank you for getting it, you know, and, and what's been so 
fascinating has been that it crossed over into the adult world. So a lot of my readers are adults, you know, adults, adult parents will buy it for their adult kids and spouses for each other. And it's just become a way of saying uh, to someone, I love you, we're connected. And even though this is children's book, this is how we're connected is by this invisible string. And it's almost become kind of colloquial in the in the collective now, I all see TV shows and movies and, uh, you know, Taylor Swift wrote a song a couple of years ago called The Invisible String. And it's become a thing. The string yeah. is a thing. You know, I, I like to say it's my version, Patrice's version of string theory. Um, yes, yes. It, you know, we are all connected. I mean, that's it. It's the most basic concept there is. But something about this idea of an invisible string um, brought it home, brought yes. the message. Yeah. You know, I want to I want to pivot because I do want to talk about your latest uh, your latest book, Ruby and Lonely. Um, but before I do that, I do have to mention. So before, as I'm kind of teased at the beginning of the episode, I noticed. Um, so obviously, listeners can't see, but we're recording, and you've got sort of some posters of the different works behind you in in the office that you're recording, in, and then there's a picture of the invisible leash, and it struck me because I m- forgot momentarily that you had written that, and that book is has such a profound impact on our family because in 2020 um, my kids experienced um, a pet passing away for the first time and so uh, we have we have two cats we had three one of them was my cat right his name was Merlin he was a big black tuxedo cat Um, and it was something where he was just he was just old natural decline he was in good health and then slowly got worse and worse and then passed away I will say the silver lining of the the early days of the pandemic in 2020 is that we were all at home and I was used to being in the office all the time. And I got uh, from March to August, it was like right around this time, uh, three years ago, I got those precious months, like final months with him where I was just there. Mm-hmm. And he was, he would curl up on my feet at the, my desk. We were working and he'd be there. He'd play with the kids. I mean, the whole thing. So I was very grateful and when he passed away, they did get a chance to say goodbye to him the night before, but it was something where they were having a, a little bit of a difficult time processing. At the time, they were um, uh, four and, no, five and three at the time. And so um, it was very difficult. And so a friend of ours got us a copy of The Invisible Leash to read with our kids and walk them through the process and help them understand that though he's not here, he is still with us. And that that helped them both understand the concept and process the grief and then um, and start to move forward. So I just personally wanted to say thank you for writing that book because it definitely tremendously helped my family. And I'm sure that's one of a million stories that folks could tell. But yes, I just wanted to share that. Oh, well, I'm so sorry for the loss of Merlin, and I'm so moved that it helped your family. I, I wrote The Invisible Leash because I got a lot of letters from readers saying, could you write a book specifically about our animals, even though The Invisible String definitely mentioned that we connect to our animal. We have Invisible String to our animals. And um, I wrote The Invisible Leash while my own little dachshund, my little wiener dog, Coco, was in the process of dying. And the book helped me, my own book, my own book really helped me um, grieve the loss of her. And I do get a lot of letters um, from people like yourself that have told me how the Invisible Leash has helped their families process and celebrate the love of their um, 
you know, creatures. And, um, and I believe, you know, in the same way, when I write people back about the invisible string or the invisible leash, I say, you know, these were written as children's books, but they're real. The invisible yeah. string, the invisible leash is about as real as real can be. Um, they just happen to be in a children's book, but the concept is, is, is truth. It's yes. just spiritual truth. And, yes. uh, yeah, I'm glad you're. I'm glad your family knows that you're all connected to Merlin. Yes, yes, exactly. And that and that's the to your point. That's the the power in these books is that it does teach these core concepts that can help children and adults alike to better understand whatever they're feeling and understand that we're connected. And that actually takes us to your most recent book. So Ruby and Lonely is about a little girl, right, who is feeling very alone and is has the opportunity to uh, meet a new best friend who she calls lonely and, and start to get to know her. So I won't give any more away. Um, but I, I remember when I, when I picked this up for the first time and I read it, the, the first thought I had when I finished was this is a book that I could have used so many times growing up mm. and it felt Hello. very hard. Um, to navigate a lot of instances in life uh, without sort of that knowledge, right? And that journey that Ruby goes on. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm thrilled that we have it in our household because my kids have read it multiple times already and I can see how, it's, how they're processing and I can see how they're connecting with it already. And I, I know that it's a book that we're going to come back to over and over again. So I just wanted to share that. And then I want to pivot and then ask you sort of what was your motivation for writing Ruby and Lonely specifically? Mm, well, first of all, I'm so glad to hear that your children have been reading and, and enjoying and, and benefiting from that book because we never know as authors, um, we can get great ideas and we can have um our hopes and dreams that our book will be received well, but you know, until it's out there and people are actually reading it, we just don't know. And um, initial feedback to Ruby and Lonely has been just nothing but really incredible. And in answer to your question, um, I suffered loneliness as a child. I've suffered loneliness as an adult. It's been a big theme in my life. Um, you know, whether in a crowded room or sitting by yourself, you know, by myself in my apartment, um, I definitely feel the 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 impact of, of of loneliness at times. And I knew my experience of loneliness has been that it is a subject that society does not like to talk about very much. It's almost like you can talk about anxiety, you can talk about anger, you can talk about depression, you can talk about um, many, many different things, but loneliness is kind of regarded as a, ew, it's like icky. It's like, yeah. ew, lonely, you know, especially adults. I mean, right. don't want to talk about being lonely. Um, and I, I think that it's the same for children. Um, and yet loneliness is probably one of the most basic um, feelings that everyone experiences in life. Um, so I started working with the concept of, of a little girl named Ruby who was experiencing um, profound loneliness. Her parents were always busy at work and doing their thing. Her brothers and sisters were 
always out with their friends. Even her dog was busy chasing birds and barking at squirrels. The kids at school didn't seem to notice her. And she was having a really big problem with this um, experience of loneliness. And so one day her teacher, Mr. Garcia, tells the kids that if you ever have a problem, um, give it a name and um, start to examine it from all angles. And she had no idea how she could examine loneliness from all angles. It's not like a marble that she could roll around on the ground and look at. Right. But one day she um, sees her reflection in a mirror and she sees this sad, lonely little face looking back at her and it's her. And so she gives this reflection a name. She calls her lonely. And that begins really the, the, the thrust of the story is as she gives herself a name, her alter ego, if you will, the reflection in the mirror, this, this lonely reflection back a name, they start to integrate and they start to get to know each other and they start to fall in love with each other. And interestingly, um, you know, what you said that you could have benefited from that as a child. I, my great hope with Ruby and Lonely is that now when children read it, that from a very early age, you know, in childhood, they can start to explore who is that person looking back at them in the mirror. When you think about it, children, you know, we look at ourselves in the mirror thousands of times every, you know, I don't know how, every month or, or year, you know, yeah. we see yeah. our reflection all the time. But how many of us ever really start a dialogue with that reflection? Like, who is that person looking back at you? Who is that person in the mirror? And I remember, oh, I don't know, it was probably 20 or 30 years ago, I was on an airplane flying back from the Caribbean. And I had a panic attack on the airplane just out of nowhere, just this horrible anxiety attack. And I wanted the plane to stop. I wanted to, I, I got to get off this plane, you know, and obviously I couldn't get the pilot to stop the plane. And I was in a sheer, it was sheer hell. And I went into the little um, bathroom on the plane to splash some cold water on my face to try to calm myself down. And I saw my reflection and I saw this terrified, um, terrified woman looking back at me this this you know my own little girl if you will looking back at me and I started to talk to her and I said it's okay sweetie it's okay I'm here I'm here we're gonna be all right I love you I love you do you hear me I love you and I mothered her and befriended her and loved her and the anxiety attack stopped um and it was really fascinating because for, for a few years after that, I would carry a mirror around with me in my purse or wherever I went because I knew that if I were to ever have another one of those panic attacks, I could just look at myself and start to calm myself down. So I think the mirror work, if you will, is very, very powerful. And I think that if children... And that's why I wrote Ruby and Lonely. You know, when I started off writing it, I didn't know that that's how she was going to solve her problem with loneliness was finding herself in the mirror. But as I got into the character and started writing the book, that's just organically what happened. And it changes everything for Ruby because as she befriends herself and gives her friend this name Lonely and starts inviting her to... Um, be with her when she goes to school and cuddle with her at night and um, 
when the brothers her brothers and sisters are out doing their thing you know they're having fun dance parties in their room and um when mom and dad are busy uh they're painting together with their new art set and before long um she doesn't feel so lonely anymore because she has found herself and she has found and this is my great hope with the book that children will realize that um though i don't expect that this is going to cure the problem of loneliness because you know i i think that you know we will still have profound times and moments of loneliness but i do think that it's 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 a good start and if people take the time to look themselves in the eyes in the mirror and say i love you i'm here it's okay and give that person looking back a name um it will change everything and it really does and i hope that children will realize that even though they may feel alone at times, they may feel lonely at times, they are never truly ever alone because they have themselves. And that self that they have, that reflection in the mirror is a being, an energy, a life force, a best friend that has been with them since the moment they were born and will be with them till the moment that they die. That we are not alone, we have ourselves. Yes, we have other people. And for people that are on a spiritual path or religious path, they have God or they have angels or guides. But if even if that is not so, like no matter what, you have you. There is someone with you and that's you. And we have, you know, it sounds cliche. I say, you know, be your own best friend um, or you've got to learn to love yourself before you can, you know, right. I, I, could, I could rattle off all the different right. cliches in the world about uh, about loving oneself, but it's a very true concept. And I thought, how better for children to understand that concept than to have this sort of fascinating curiosity about who's that person looking back at me? Wow, yeah. who is that? And so I'll be fascinated as you know the book releases um, September 12th. And so as it goes out into the world, as Ruby. As I bring Ruby to the world, Ruby and Lonely get to meet the world. I'll be so fascinated to see how children um, start relating to that concept yeah. of finding themselves in the mirror, finding their own inner best friend. And I tried to make it obvious in the book that even at night, you know, even at night, especially at night, you are cuddled up with you. You yeah. have you. And there's just something very multidimensional about realizing that we we are not um, just alone. We have ourselves. And that person is our best friend and always will be. So um, we need to treat ourselves very kindly. Very, very kindly. Mm -hmm. That's so powerful. You know, there's... I mentioned this is a book that I could have benefited from. And I would say it took me way too long in life before I got to a point where I was comfortable wholly being alone and not even to that degree, but just that I liked who I was with. Right. And then, and I'm gesturing to myself, but it's, it was something where I found that previously in life, if I found myself alone, I needed to do, I would end up doing one of two things. One, I'd either go out and completely distract myself with any number of activities I could find, going to the movies, going shopping, whatever, right? Just the illusion of not feeling alone. And, or 
I would find I would have sort of mini panic attacks at home because I wasn't sure what to do and I didn't I didn't like being alone with myself. And then mm-hmm. the older I got, the more I started understanding the concept that Ruby starts to understand, right? Where I'm under I'm getting to meet the guy, the man in the mirror, right, as it were, and and giving him a name and talking to him and learning about him and appreciating him and now I do have this feeling where I find I often on occasion will go on work trips and I'll go to different cities and I'll find I my favorite moments are sort of having calm moments, either reading or journaling or talking right to myself. And then I will go out and explore the city and I'll appreciate where I'm at and what I'm doing and what I'm seeing. And I will be by myself the whole time because I appreciate where I am and who I am. And I'm so glad that this book is out because it's going to be out on September 12th and is coming out into the world. So that way children and other adults, but children can start to learn these concepts early on. So that way, as they grow, these concepts will grow with them and they will have it as an anchor for their well. That's exactly because I, I can only imagine that if I had read this book as a little girl and started that relationship with myself in, in that very tangible way, looking in the mirror and seeing her and naming her and getting to know her, um, I think life would have been quite different for me. You know, it took me, it took me having a panic attack on an airplane when I was 30 years old to start to get that concept in that way, but never too late. Right. Right. Um, and I hope that it helps the caregivers and, you know, that the, see, I've always said that I think everything we ever really needed to learn as far as the deepest truths we could learn in children's books. I don't think we yes. need 400 tomes to, you know, um, uh, give us the basic concepts of, of um, the most important, you know, the, the real heart stuff. Um, so, yeah, and, and that's probably why I like writing children's books, because I, I don't, um, I love the idea of keeping it simple, keeping yes. it simple. And, and there's something about the, the beauty of the children's mind and the children's world where you know, you don't waste a lot of words. You don't waste words. Every word in a children's book matters because there's so few words. That's why every word must have a purpose in the book. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 happy happy that you love the book. I'm thrilled. I can't wait to see it um, out there and to start getting the feedback. And I, you know, hopefully, some children that are struggling with loneliness will be helped and some children that would be struggling with loneliness will be helped ahead of time and they won't have to go through some of the profound pain that that I went through and that sounds like maybe you went through and a lot of us have gone through on the journey to getting to know ourselves. Absolutely. Well, as we're starting to wrap up, I want to ask you, where is the best, if someone wants to buy this book, where is the best place for them to acquire it? Probably the any of their usual channels, Amazon, um, you know, their local bookstores. If people want an autographed copy, they can certainly get one off of my website, which is um, patricekarst.com. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, going to be widely um, distributed. But Amazon is probably... That's where almost everyone gets their books these days. If they're not at their local bookstore. Right. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be everywhere and I'm very very excited about it. It's 
going to be good. That much is certain. I am excited. We're going to shift to the final segment of the episode at this point in time before we wrap. And it's a segment I like to call things to check out. Uh, so beyond obviously the book, which everyone should have already bought, uh, I would say at least 10 copies of Ruby and Lonely by the end of this uh, conversation. So uh, beyond Ruby and Lonely, uh, I like to provide a recommendation of something I'm uh, watching, reading and or listening to. And I invite my guests to do the same with one or all of those. So I'll go first and then I'll uh, pass it over to you, Patrice, if you have any recommendations of things for folks to check out. Uh, but for from the book perspective, uh, I do want to recommend uh, it's a book called The Gray. Uh, it's by it's a middle grade novel uh, by former guest and friend of the podcast Chris Barron. Uh, so a little bit about the book. It is a sensitively told middle grade story about living with anxiety and finding ways to cope. So highly recommend it. I think it's a good companion piece. You can pick up a copy of Ruby and Lonely. Pick up a copy of The Gray. They'll go great, great together. No pun intended. Sorry, Chris. Um, uh, TV show. I'm actually uh, re-watching, sort of. Uh, I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan, and I'm currently watching uh, Elementary. I'm binging Elementary on Hulu. Uh, I know it's been off there since 2019, um, but I ended up, I had, I watched the show, uh, and then I had kids, and I stopped watching the show, and then the show ended. And that's sort of the story, I think, of a lot of new parents when they first have kids, is they stop watching things that they used to watch, and then they rediscover them later in life. So I am going back through, I started from the beginning, and I'm enjoying. Um, there's something that's nice about a little bit of complexity and a little bit of formulaic in some of these uh, older ways, of, uh, I say older, sort of tongue-in-cheek uh, ways of doing television. Um, and then uh, from an audio perspective, I uh, was a big fan of the TV show Will and Grace. And so there's a show that just launched called Just Jack and Will, hosted by Sean Hayes and Eric McCormick. It's a Will and Grace rewatch podcast uh, that folks should check out. So, uh, Patrice, what is something uh, folks can either read, watch and or listen to if you have any recommendations? You don't have to have any recommendations. Well, you know. I would love to just actually share about another one of my books that just yeah, came out. Absolutely. Literally. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, it literally just came out. Um, I forget what exact day the release was. It was July. Um, it doesn't matter. Mid July. Um, and that is the invisible string backpack came out. And I'm really excited about that book because it's about a little girl um, on her first day of school that has a lot of worries, um, lots of worries. You know, what if no one likes me? What if um, my what if I can't talk loud enough in a class? What if I can't find my way to my classroom? What if what if what if what right. if? And she discovers that she has this um, backpack that is filled with invisible tools. Her brother. And mother and father explained to her all about her invisible backpack. And she's amazed. But as she goes through her day, she starts reaching inside her backpack and finding tools that will help her when her teacher um, tells the children to fly into their imaginations and soar. And we're going to write or paint about our travels. She's like, what? I don't know how to soar into my imagination. The teacher says, soar into the unknown. She's afraid to soar into the unknown. What if what if she gets lost? What if she falls? What if it hurts? And she discovers she's got invisible wings that lift her up. And there's an invisible net that will catch her if she falls. And she discovers an invisible paintbrush to help her paint uh, the things that she sees. And she gets lifted up into these invisible worlds that are each more incredible than the other. And when she's afraid of 
that her voice isn't strong enough to be heard, she finds an invisible microphone to help her voice project out from the inside. And when she gets lost and doesn't know her way to get from one classroom to the other, she finds an invisible whistle that she blows to call for help. And it's really a book to empower children that we have all the tools that we need for life and for the world deep within us and the metaphor if you will you know the little catchphrase is we just need to reach inside mm. so um in the same way that i hope ruby and lonely empowers children to confront themselves befriend themselves and um, really address this issue of loneliness and aloneness i believe that the invisible string backpack will help children realize that they've got all kinds of amazing invisible tools and they may not even know what tool it is that they need but if they can just trust that it's there and to reach inside, they will find the tool that they need for that moment, for that situation. I love it. Oh, that's incredible, Patrice. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? So um, there is, I have a Facebook page, which is the Invisible String. Um, I have the Invisible String Insta uh, for Instagram. Um, my website, which I've already mentioned to you. And of course, on Amazon, you can follow authors and get alerted to their newest books and Goodreads. Um, so yeah, any of those. And um, yeah, and I, I always say this because I always mean this. Um, when I very first started out as an author, I made a, a pledge to myself that if anyone ever wrote me, I would always write them back um, a personal private letter. And so far, even though I get quite, quite a few more letters now than I did, you know, um, when I first started out so far, it hasn't gotten so unmanageable that I can't write back. So I write back everybody personally. And I, it's the highlight of my, of my day is, you know, the best parts about being a children's author are reading to the kids out loud in schools yeah. or libraries or book signings and actually seeing their little faces and getting the hugs afterwards. And the second best part of being a children's author are the letters and getting to respond to these letters. Because I feel like if someone takes the time to write me, to actually write me a letter, which blows me away, um, it's the least I can do. And it's my joy and privilege and honor to, to write them back. So if anybody wants to ever write to me, I welcome, welcome, welcome your letters. And you can find out how to contact me via my website and, um, I'll write you back. I promise. I promise I will write you back. I love it. Well, Patrice, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. I really appreciate it. And I know the listeners will appreciate it as well. Thank you. You're an awesome dad. Your kids are lucky to have you. And it was lovely here. Thanks, Joe. Well, listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. 
For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.